Hello, and welcome to the Line Break Podcast. My name is Chris Corlew, and with me as always is my friend and co-host, Bob Sakura. Hi, Chris. Bob, we're here. It's uh, it's the holidays, man. It, yeah, it is. <laughs> Am I unnecessarily stressed out about things that are genuinely like only good? Yes. <laughs> You texted me before the recording, and we we really do have a lot of fun recording this show together, but you texted me right before recording, why did I give myself homework on the first free day after the semester? (laughs) Oh, yeah, truly, I, you know, I have such a charmed, lucky lifestyle that I get like a little break here. Um, I'm going home to see my family. I have a great family. Um, and yet all of these things are just like, man, this seems more stressful than I want it to be. That was me uh, for, for Thanksgiving. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we, we we stayed here. We hosted um, uh, and had a blast. But like in the lead up, it's just like I am I'm only stressed. And it wasn't right. but it, it was about more than just Thanksgiving. It was sure. You know, job yeah. and life stuff. But there's always things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I look terrible to the viewing audience. I am, you know, <laughs> watching myself on the screen and I'm like, what did I do last night? I didn't sleep that poorly. I think I had two beers. Like, there's no reason for me to look like garbage today, but the end of the semester hit hard. Yeah. It's been a it's been a tough start to the winter for for us over in Casa de Corlu too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is it colder than usual down there? It's not that bad at all right now, okay. um, but uh, I lost my train of thought. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> it's, just, it's, a, it's a product of the uh, product of the of the times. You know, it's a stressful time. So we've had a um, we've had a pretty fun run of guests the last couple of months. I think this is maybe our longest streak of guests oh, absolutely. right in a row. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. has been great. Um, always, always good to to talk to new people to bring new voices in the fold. But for the end of the year. It's just going to be you and me, and we're not even going to read poems. It's going to be wild. On this run of guests, you, Bob, came up with the, the question of your all-influence starting five. I think this is a, a certainly a gimmick for doing top fives, you know. Um, uh, it's, you know it's, 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 it's unique to us, and it works. But, uh, but you know, as, as has become very clear to us, not everyone in our audience cares about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought we'd turn the... Uh, turn the lens on ourselves and um we're gonna each go through and do our starting five all influence starting five please don't view this as a template future guests but this is at least what it looks like to us right i mean i i think i think i felt it was probably only fair for us to do it because to me it's such an impossible question yeah (laughs) yeah. we, we ask it to our guests all of who have so it's like three guests in a row now I think we've done this with and they've all been like so generous and smart and interesting with their responses yes um so now whoever turns this podcast on will get to listen to our sloppy um normie bad responses that I'm sure we're gonna have for this <laughs> yeah 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 it's, it's gonna be a lot more uh, uh as we said with Isaac the, the the goofball energy is gonna be turned up right right yeah <laughs> So are you are you cheating like I'm cheating? You're going first. Um, I didn't realize I was going first. Oh, you're not going first? You read poems first every time. Oh, that's true. I guess I could go first. I can go first. I don't mind. No, no, no. I'll go first. I, we just didn't script this at all. <laughs> this is true. We did not. Um, I did I did send show notes over to you, and you laughed at me. Um, Wait, did you? 
but not 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 like a Google Doc or anything like that. I just texted you what I was doing, and you oh, laughed at me. Oh, yeah, this is true. Oh, this is true. Um, yeah. So I find this incredibly difficult for so many reasons. I'm fascinated um, by this. I've been known to like have a whole crisis over like someone asking like what my favorite movie is. I hate I hate sure. favorites. Yeah. Um, and I think it goes a lot back to um. I was going to use the word shame. We'll say embarrassment. Shame's too strong. But like embarrassment about things I was into in my youth. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm just now getting over a lot of that. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I get it. You know, I I don't think I have a, I've had too many like heroes who have been like, like embarrassed, like, like, I don't know, embarrassingly failed me. But just I don't know. I I, I feel really strongly about like not over idolizing anyone at this point that's um, fair yeah you know uh, yeah. so so it kind of like falls into that i feel like i've got caveats about like literally everyone that i want to talk about. <laughs> sure sure <laughs> where i come down on that is i i feel like i'm getting you know i netflix is trying to get me to watch the movie la confidential and i i should want to watch that movie i've never seen it before i've heard it's really great um i like everyone in it i like noir except Kevin Spacey's in it. And I'm probably just never going to watch LA Confidential because that's too much. That is a bridge too far. But, you know, like I listen to Led Zeppelin from time to time and, you know, they're, they're pretty bad too. So, you know, I, I think with, I, I, I am not good at not over idolizing people, but I, I am recently like, I only like the version of this person that I see. And I, I, I'm, I'm trying to acknowledge that. <laughs> amongst myself among myself better you know i don't like a person as much as i like their music as much as I like their books and stuff like that you know agreed agreed because um, you don't have a full picture of a person absolutely right 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 so there's there's that aspect of it but i think there's also too just a general like i put a lot of weight on this idea of influence um and it's defining i don't know defining something about you the the chooser um, oh sure yeah in a way I, you know and i i think this is a fairly common you know millennial trait but that idea of like i don't like to be one defined at all probably yeah <laughs> but certainly yeah. you know like not defined by these disparate parts of me right right <laughs> you know i'm sorry chris but i contain multitudes over here <laughs> <laughs> well uh if if, if, if you've heard, if you've heard my band you know we're, we're kind of influenced by a lot of a lot of things right, right. <laughs> that's that's every millennial band by the way <laughs> Do you remember that Onion article from like 10 years ago that was Radiohead denies influencing local band? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> That's incredible. So good. Rocks. Um, yeah. And I think I, I, I just I feel like I've heard so many people talk in ways about their influences that excite me so much. And I always like look through my bookshelf and be like, oh man, what would I say? Um, and then hate my answers. And so now we're going to do that publicly. Yeah. Publicly. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of looking at your bookshelf for influences, by the way, I yeah. noticed I do this thing where um, this is a, definitely a feature in my adult life, but I do this thing where I will read a book by an author and I'll really latch onto it and really be like, like let it just like course through my soul and influence me and stuff like that. And be like, I don't actually know anything about that author or their style. Yeah. I just know that one book, you know? Right. And I, I'm like, I have to, I have to do, if I, if I'm really going to say this person, I'm thinking specifically like Lydia Millet. I really like the two books of hers I've read, but she's written like 15 or something. Right. Like that. And I, I don't, 
I don't know. I don't know what, you know, <laughs> so, so it's like, I, there, there are plenty, there are just tons of writers like that where it's like, oh, I like like, you know, 5% of what you did. And it's not right. even, I don't like the other stuff. I just haven't, I haven't gotten to it yet. You know, I feel so similarly where I'm just kind of blown away when I hear writers talk about like their deep dives into someone's, uh, <laughs> why am I missing Oof, the word? Right. Yeah, that's the word. That's exactly Is that it? The word. <laughs> um, because I, I, I'm, I'm mostly proud of my reading habits. I do always kind of wish there could be more, but yeah, I've always been more about like width and depth and I even haven't read that widely necessarily as I would like. Um, but I can think of so few people where I'm like, Oh, I've read it all. Yeah. You know, and yeah. even those people, it's because they only have two or three things that I can right. say. I really now, when you were younger, did you read people's like every, every book people no, wrote? Like I totally didn't. Oh, wow. Were you a book yeah. series person? No, I wasn't. I was deeply oh. not a book series person. I was, okay. I was, I was skeptical of Harry Potter like as a twelve year old. I was just like, you don't need eight books to tell the story. They weren't eight <laughs> when I was twelve. I was sure, but like not even Goosebumps or anything. Not like, even Animorphs. Yeah, we did Goosebumps, Animorphs briefly. Goosebumps probably the most. Um, even then though, I feel like I probably only did fifteen. Yeah, you know, I didn't like destroy the whole series. Yeah, I was not an obsessive reader like that, and I'm jealous of people who were. I was um, not a completist for either series, but I probably read upwards of 50 of both. Um, and then I read like almost every Kurt Vonnegut novel in high school. Right. I read um, almost every Anne Rice vampire novel. Spoiler alert for later in the podcast. Um, and then I kind of, I, I think I got burned out on both of them actually when I yeah. got to college yeah. and stopped reading both of them for a long time. And I was like, I'm not going to do that with a writer for a while. Right. Um, right. I was going to say similarly, like, Vonnegut in high school is probably the closest that I felt that way too. And even still, I feel like I read a handful of his 20, 30, but you know, he's, he wrote quite a bit too. He did. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. So we're going to get to it. Uh, real quick it. before we do um, uh, to, to a quick story that doesn't mean anything, but you know, for yeah. the texture of the podcast, something, uh, a, bit, a bit of advice Josh gave me, um, I think mm-hmm. maybe before senior year, maybe after senior year, I don't remember. Um, yeah. And he probably doesn't even remember giving me this advice, but uh it was um find five writers mm-hmm. three of them should be dead mm-hmm. and read everything they ever wrote including their letters and stuff like that why didn't um, anyone tell me this that's so good well i started doing it i did it with uh i started it with hemingway gabriel garcia marquez and salman rushdie and mm-hmm. i couldn't even get through all of their all the stuff you chose too big <laughs> i know i know well i was i was i was in a big uh i was in a big rushdie marquez I, I was in a big all three of those space. I was gonna uh, a poet I was gonna pick was Frank O'Hara, yeah. and I have like three of his collecteds now because of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I didn't have the patience and the discipline to do everything from one person, and so so now I, I I don't know. I I think anyone listening take that advice for what you will. No, that's, three writers, that's five writers, three of them should be dead. Read everything. That's such good advice to a you know twenty twenty two year old. Um, or also like like right as a like you're getting out of college and no one's gonna tell you to read anymore. Yeah, um, advice. Yeah. But truly, every one of those. I mean, Marquez has some some short books, but all of those authors wrote <laughs> such <laughs> long, such books. massive books. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Exactly. Oh my! All right, <laughs> let's get into it. If it wasn't obvious, to the reader, I was uh, delaying, delaying, delaying. <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, it should be uh, no no secret to anyone who's listened to the podcast that the, the first one was just without a without a blink was such an obvious Ross Gay, um, yeah. you know, um, and another one who's that one book has influenced me tremendously. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, Ross came across my um, 
my purview that's not the right word <laughs> came into my 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 life um i you know towards the end of whatever year catalog of unabashed gratitude came out and obviously that was the book where you know i think he came to another level of popularity i think he was already a well-regarded poet before then um but yeah it's like one of those things that i was late to and i was I was like, oh my gosh, this just shattered me open. So, so, so good. Yeah. Um, I was editing for Breakwater Review, which was the literary journal at my grad school at the time. Um, I spun that into like doing a little email interview with him, which was like such a treat. And it's for me, really cringy look back on. I think my questions were terrible, but. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I feel that I interviewed Amy Bender in college and feel the right, same way, yeah. but still I got to interview Amy Bender. <laughs> right. Fucking rule. Uh, well, I mean, by interview, like I sent questions to his agent, his agent, you know, had sure. him answer them and emailed them back to me. Sure. But, you know, I just, yeah, someone who the work has influenced me. The ideas in the work has influenced me. Um, the way he reads has influenced me. It's just like nonstop. I can't rave about Ross enough. Um, beholding the book that you mentioned that we did two episodes about, if you want to dig through the archives, um, you know, like I, I just, I don't know if there's anything that's better than that. Um, Right. It, it rules so much. Yeah. And I, and, you know, again, thinking of all of my, uncertainties about talking about influence like that's it that seems like such an easy one because that is like within the past decade i've come across his work and it just had like such obvious kind of raining out strings of influence on me um so ross rules so is that your is he your point card oh well he's so tall he's got to be the center there you go okay he's got to be the center yeah the the centerpiece In the second slot and where things do start to get embarrassing is I just I feel like I would be deeply untrue to myself if I didn't if I didn't just come out and say it. That like Walt Whitman is so goddamn important to me. Yeah, well, you would be deeply untrue to yourself if you did not say Walt Whitman. That's right. True. Yeah. Um, and I have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, you know, I don't like reach for my Whitman <laughs> very sure, often sure. anymore. Um, I do have this like beautiful like art book, like you know, this this book of leaves of grass with the kind of art in it that's in that's in this room right now that I keep out all the time. And, and I'm sure I just have kind of copies of him all around. I don't I don't really reach for it anymore. I want to um, see that leaves of grass at AWP. It's, uh, <laughs> it's incredible. Um and uh yeah, and it's 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 old. I don't know, I don't know, it's old, it's great. But yeah. um yeah, someone who just kind of broke open literature for me. yeah the one who made poetry a thing for you right yeah. right you know kind of the the messiness and the longness of it and the the lack of aboutness of it is yeah so, <laughs> so important to me um and yeah he was you know he has this like kind of mysticism around him um you know whether any of that's real or you should buy it or not but yeah you know there's great pictures of him um to me it felt kind of like this like spiritual text when i was younger sure um, yeah you know yeah, that like, put, put you in a trance it felt religious it felt almost like prayer um, that's still something i look for in poetry yeah yeah, yeah like, absolutely yeah. like that's when i when i say like i just read it fast and i let the text wash out that's what i'm looking for is like to be kind of like yeah put in a trance by poetry almost right you know? yeah. right so yeah, do rules. I have no idea yeah. what position I would I would put him at. Whitman is a power forward. Whitman's a you're you're running a twin towers lineup there. I feel I mean, like you, you I think he was speak... tall in real life, but I don't know. Now that I think about it, <laughs> no. there was okay. So listeners, there's a time when I was working at a used bookstore, um, and I think Bob was living in 
um, maybe Portland, <laughs> but uh, came across a, a a Walt Whitman book. I was sorting sorting you know inventory that we purchased you know all used stuff. Yeah. And there's a there's a there's a Whitman book with just a picture a a selfie Whitman has taken of himself, completely naked, standing next to a tree. Um, there's a few of them. Yeah. So I just snap a picture of the page and I text Bob, "Hey Bob, I miss you. Here's Walt Whitman's dick." <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know how important that makes Whitman to Bob, but that, you know. I have a a colleague who, you know, came in my room and he was noticing some of the stuff hanging. I've got, and I've got this, the, the very old classic Walt Whitman uh, picture is, is a postcard. It's hanging up on, on some of my stuff. And he made this, he, he was, he, he had to tell me the whole, the story of how apparently um, Walt Whitman insisted that, uh, the line in his pants uh, was bigger um, in the in the new in the drawings of it. <laughs> um, yeah, there's lots of LBJ. Like my goodness, um, I have no sourcing on that. Uh, um, but yeah, we could talk Whitman problematicness plenty. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I, I mean, in particular, too. Just I think I would add that um, you know, there's a way that he's caught the American the way that I think he's talked about like patriotically or part of the American spirit or stuff um that like leaves out some of you know his grosser views um is yeah is important to like recognize yeah um, I think that's that's my biggest the the biggest holdback for me of Whitman yeah. like like I I enjoy what I've read but that 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 part of it keeps me from getting like more into him which is not right. a good reason I should get more into well, him. Well but, but I mean like that's like a yeah that's just like outside framing of like who this person is and um right. you know right. putting him as part of this American mystique. Yeah. Um and and I do I like I think the work is more challenging than some of like he certainly has some flares where he it's very like patriotic and um in some ways honestly I think he was like selling the work back. Yeah. Way. Yeah. Um yeah consider the the time too you know like it's easy to forget how small the united states was in the 1800s (laughs) um but also we should i should probably shut up like i haven't like thought about whitman very hard in a long time (laughs) so i'm like all my facts are probably off and you know yeah yeah and that's that's those two felt easy sure yeah Um, after that um it gets difficult um and i think where i landed for the third one another writer who I think is very complicated um, by some of their views, um, but is Amiri Baraka, who I read, you know, like in college, an African-American, an African-American lit class. I still have on a shelf somewhere around here, um, this incredible anthology. It's just called Black Poets, Dudley Randall. It's like a classic. And a lot of the stuff we covered in that class, like blew my mind open. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I had trouble kind of like, pinpointing like who I would say you know because similarly it feels almost what's the word I'm looking for dishonest to like talk about a poet as like this major influence when it's like I've mainly read their stuff in like anthologies you know and like bits and pieces um but I just I just I have such a strong memory um of some of Baraka's poems you know where they're they're political they're rambunctious um they're loud they're explicit um and also some of them are kind of softer and quieter too. And like that, that, that range. But I think that is 
probably the trend I want to say on like all of my influences. It's it's a little bit, it's about people who kind of blew open possibility for me. Is I think what's most important. Sure. Yeah. That's yeah. A, that'll be a theme in mind too. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I also have a really good memory of coming, I was, you know, I was visiting home, visiting my parents and, you know, like it was public access TV or something. I have no idea what it was. Um, but he was reading probably, I think it was like Cal Berkeley or something. Um, and like, that was on T like over the air cable or table, that rules. you know, in like that the rules. middle of the night, you know, it's like, just like staying up late. And I was like, what the hell is this? And why is it on TV right now? Um, you know? Yeah. And he's like incredible reader. Yeah. And so I, and I think I've, about, I've never read him. So even in our all influence episode, you're giving me right. new poets to read. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, 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 brash big poems i think you'll get it right away of the way that it influenced me yeah i mean again he's someone where uh he's, he's said some things over the years and, and pissed people off in, in certain ways sure um i i yeah that i i feel like i want to i want to make sure that caveat's clear um but just certainly in terms of like work that um crushed me you know opened up yeah. my world in so many ways definitely yeah uh, so that's number three. I don't know where I'd put him. Uh, let me think about the, well, the, the trouble is I'm going to, this now is when I start to get to the cop-outs. Um, so oh, putting man. people into positions <laughs> <laughs> gets more complicated. We'll put him at shooting guard. You know, he was, okay. he, was he was throwing it up, you know, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. felt free range. Launching bombs. Launching bombs. For fourth, I just put grad school. Does that work? <laughs> <laughs> Now, is that your your point guard that makes the engine go? Is that your do it all small forward? Ooh, that's it. I mean, I don't know who or what I am as a poet without grad school. It might have to be the point guard. Okay, uh, there you, you go. Know? Like I was, I was at the end of my ropes as a high school teacher. Um, you know, in a job that in so many ways I did love and was important to me. Um, and I thought it was like at the kind of school I wanted to be at. And I was just like, wow, I'm I'm not writing. Um, I'm exhausted all the time. Yeah. I need, <laughs> I need to go to grad school. <laughs> Which is, and, and you said you you were in a good teaching situation, so you're you're in a good job situation. You're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, for sure. You are one of the rare ones in our friends who like found employment outside of high school, outside of high school, outside of college that was like <laughs> meaningful. Yeah, and still you're feeling like I'm having trouble. I'm not right. writing. I'm, right. Yeah. So yeah, I got to do something different with my life. You needed grad school. Needed grad school. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I can talk a number of ways, I think, of that influence. Um, you know, there's there's an obvious shout out to Jill McDonough and Lloyd Schwartz, who were kind of the two poets who I worked with um, the most during that time. Also, a shout out to Joyce Pesroff, who was there for only one semester. You know, but all three poets who kind of drastically reshaped my work. Um, you know, Jill... Jill McDonough, um, someone who <laughs> held us to incredibly high standards, yeah. uh, who wanted us that. to experiment with form in ways that I think is like so, so important to the way that I've I've proceeded with poetry. It's really good to have the teacher that demands you experiment with form. Oh, absolutely. Like, I really feel like that's what was missing from my fiction education. Mm, no shots yeah. to David Michael Kaplan, who was wonderful, but I wish yeah. I'd had someone who'd been like, do something like, like right. try this, try right. that. 
you know? Yeah. Um, and I, and Josh made us do it a, a few times and I just rebelled against it with like, you know, mm. like write a Sistine. Like I wrote a Sistine and was pretty happy with it, but like, you know, I always hated those assignments, but I wish I'd had someone cracking the, cra- yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, encouraging me to experiment with form a little right. more and then, and then giving me the meaningful feedback. Cause I don't, I, I'm ready to experiment with form always, but I don't know what works and what doesn't and what, sure. and why, you know? Right. Well, just I, like, I think it's just like such a good, way to like learn it, it teaches you a lot about yourself as a writer yeah um, to like try and force yourself into a form and realize where you want to break it where you don't you know this this goes back into just kind of comparison i thought of it as i was again looking through the bookshelves is my first you know poetry writing class in undergrad um oh my gosh i cannot remember the guy's name anymore and we've talked about this multiple times he yeah. was not a great teacher and he was just on this prose poem kick and so yeah. i had this like introduction po- intro to writing poetry class um and i have this anthology down here models of the universe which i should pull out again i bet it's really cool um yeah. you know but just like as like a really really young writer someone telling me that i should generally write prose poems unless i can like justify line breaks is so much less helpful than someone being like why don't you try to write a sonnet today like what and happens I, when also, you write a sonnet today i'm just thinking about both myself and some other people in my undergrad classes, like telling a bunch of young writers to just write post poems and then like justify every line break. Like, yeah. Is it like really bad for a 19 year old writer? <laughs> like that is not, that's not a model of pedagogy right. I would recommend. <laughs> and then I, I, you know, I also want to give a you know huge shout out to Lloyd Schwartz, who's you know probably been like the biggest kind of supporter of my work, um, both in grad school and beyond. And one of the like hallmarks of Lloyd's work is that he he wanted to be an actor. Um, and so like theater kind of like is very, has this way in his work. And, and a lot of his early work in particular has like voices and people speaking. Um, sure, so sure. his work to me, it's so much about like tone and voice um, in a way that, you know, one radically um, influenced my work and and, and yeah. the way he would look at my poems. That because your, your poems do have like a, a voice to them. A, a, sure. A, and a, yeah. a compelling one too. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I, I read your chapbook and I was like, I need to keep this by my computer when I'm working on my novel. This I great. don't know where my last copy is. I was oh, asking no. about it the other night and then I just, I pulled through like my my collection of chapbooks and I was like, wow, I might not even know where mine is anymore. Oh, no. Um, I, And I want to keep shouting out grad school again. As in, I want to justify this, <laughs> this cop-out answer. It's already a justified answer. I, I think it's fine. Um, but you shout out as many people as you want. This is what... Well, this was going to be people, was, but just, you know, like... Uh, you know, as much as this is the the I, the most awful thing to say out loud is just like I would I, I I still don't I wouldn't I don't read theory in my free time I read theory when I'm oh. in a class and someone forces me to absolutely um, and yeah, I still think finite a lot amount of, of time on this planet you're not reading <laughs> theory unassigned man <laughs> but a lot of that stuff has you know broke my brain in different ways too that made me rethink my poems and and what I want to write about it and how I want to write about it and and in still in like still in ways that I'm like trying to understand yeah um you know so shout out to all of the most god-awful things on the planet to read um, that I, <laughs> I think can also be really really helpful and beneficial yeah um yeah so that's grad school grad school kicked my ass there you go there's your point guard <laughs> uh and so who's then... guarding lebron <laughs> oh i don't like i don't like if that's how it shakes out <laughs> um, 
because now I'm I'm looking at my my incredible list of cuts um, and trying to decide if I want to change it up at the last minute because my last answer was also going to be a cop out. <laughs> I think I'll stick with it. Um, my number five slot. I just wanted to say science fiction in general. Hey, you know that's not a cop out at all. That's great. That's great. Um, you know, because because similarly, I forget you're about, such a huge sci-fi fan. <laughs> and and like and I'm also I'm not a huge I you know like there's a particular way that I like to engage with it. I'm not a hard sci-fi person. I right. Uh, there's so much sci-fi where like I can't get past page one. Just the prose is so bad. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I'm like that with horror. You know, right, right. Yeah. Um, but I do think that's had a pretty radical uh, influence on my work and something that I I, I dream of finding ways to write into. Maybe I should have said utopians as my number <laughs> um, but Promote the book. It's never too early. <laughs> oh, we're going hard in January. Don't worry. People are going to start hearing about it. Um, <laughs> but a little bit, the way this worked out is I did feel like... Our, our <laughs> guest in January, we've done a seance and resurrected the guy who started the Shakers. <laughs> By just saying science fiction in general, it, it does allow me to, to have probably like Ursula Le Guin. Um, sure as as one of the main influences and it's also someone who i didn't start reading until i was in grad school another person um, i need to i need to read i've i you know, i just never gotten to her when i feel grumpy enough about it i will like try and be like but maybe the dispossessed is the most important american novel <laughs> i don't know that i actually believe that but i, I encourage anyone who has not read any Guin to start there and it's like totally not like a lot of her work actually it, it probably isn't a good starting point and she writes fantasy too she does all the stuff yeah. Um, this is, I mean, this also is like a side way that grad school influenced me as yeah. science fiction stuff. Um, I started reading Sam Delaney in grad school, um, who is just like they're they're books that I almost don't enjoy because they're so heady. Sure, sure. <laughs> they're, they're, to me, they're just really, really brilliant. Um as I don't know if I've ever said out loud on the show, but uh, Star Trek is my my comfort TV watching <laughs> when I want to fall asleep, when I want to work out, when I, I didn't realize think. that Star Trek was it for you. Yeah, yeah. That, I have. Also I've also moved on from the X Men franchise, um, <laughs> <laughs> and and oh. I using Star Wars as my insomnia cures. <laughs> I watched. Uh, I watched an X. I watched two X Men a couple weekends ago. I had the house. I was Jones and Ford a couple weekends ago. I might. I might watch um, First Class tonight. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I distinctly feel like I grew out of Star Wars and I feel really great about that. Really I only like the Rich Tridge and Andor now. Like I've actually <laughs> like I've been enjoying most of the shows and stuff like that. But I think there was something about like Mandalorian season three and Ahsoka that I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and so I just watched when I say I'm a Star Wars fan, that's not really true. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, that's a little bit how I feel when I say like science fiction being this thing for me. Yeah. Because um, I just I know there are so many other people who like that is their thing. Um, yeah. Maybe the way that po poetry is my thing or something like that. But I, I give huge credit to our friend Anuj who uh, wrote some comment at one point in our, our group channel, uh, our, our group text of uh, the secret about Star Wars that it was bad all along. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's very true. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even like Empire, which is inarguably the best one. I'm like, well, I was watching uh, the last little bit last night and I was like, there's no clear way like one of the characters got from point a to point b in the shot just now <laughs> um like yeah no it's, yeah. but it just, um, it, it's such a thing where like the the more seriously someone takes it the more i want to be like nope i'm out yeah, you know? yeah, yeah this is either fun or or no you know 
yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I feel like I had something else that I wanted to shout out there. Yeah, I didn't feel um, like you were done. You said sci-fi. No, I mean, I, I talking about Le Guin, talking about Star Trek felt like the most important things. Mm-hmm. I mean, sci-fi actually, though, I guess to to get into plugging the book is um, part of how all the research for me started was I took the science fiction class my first semester in grad school. Um, and I had a bad reason for thinking that it was going to help me with my poetry. <laughs> but one of the things we did start kind of using as a lens was like thinking about utopia, um, you know, theoretically, conceptually, whatever you want to say. And so it started being in my mind. And that's that's actually honestly like the, when I talk about like theory stuff, that's the stuff that like kind of kicked that into like making sense for me and being meaningful for me. Um, and then the next spring not the next spring maybe almost a year later some point later um i'm taking this class on on the lyric um you know a very poetry centered class yeah um and we're in the 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 rare books room of the boston public library god this sounds so obnoxious incredible this um uh, no it was it was cool as shit like they had whitman like handwritten pages there you know (laughs) like um but so I'm in theory looking for stuff about the lyric. Um, they this the rare books room in the Boston Public Library at the time had not been um, digitized, so they had a card catalog. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and I found a card. Um, it said Brook Farm, comma American Utopia, and then gave me these years in the 1800s, and I was like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> that rules. I <laughs> love this s- idea of taking a sci-fi approach to historical research too. <laughs> <laughs> there's like, something I'm being there. serious. This, this there's is cool. something there. Yeah. Yeah, so like I yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of obsessions that are bound up in that that way of thinking. Nice. And now I want to stop talking. This feels <laughs> like I've shared too much about myself. No, this rules. This is great. Um <laughs> I funnily I strangely enough feel like I've learned something about you. Well, I figured that would be the way. case. Right. Yeah. yeah. We don't we don't we don't talk all this stuff all the time. I know, yeah, yeah. It's this is but yeah, it's 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 nice to 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 learn something new about an old friend, Bob. Oh, you're too sweet. <laughs> um, can we can we shift the metaphorical camera onto you so I can stop blushing over here or feel it uncomfortable? <laughs> we can we can shift the metaphorical camera over to me. <laughs> so yeah, I'm all too happy to talk about my influences. I <laughs> for such a shy person, I. I do like talking about myself. I have a blog. Um, I like talking about myself to my friends, I guess. That's fair. Yeah. And and all of our listeners are the same as my friends on, you know, like Blue Sky or Instagram or whatever. Like they they all of our listeners live in my phone. And, <laughs> um and they're all my friends. Uh so I'm gonna do take a page out of uh one of our guests on the blog. I've started saying, like, whenever I refer to things we talk about in the podcast, I'm like, yeah, it's on one of the old episodes. Just uh, uh go back and listen to all of them and figure out which one I'm talking about. Um <laughs> one of our guests did this to do like an all poets and an all other one. Right. I feel like I talk about my poetic influences a lot on the show. So anything I could say is just gonna be like a rehash. So I'm just right. gonna do like one or two sentences on my poet, my poet team. And then I'm going to uh, gonna, gonna go deep on the on the non-poets. Um, Let's do it. All right, so poet team. Point guard, the engine that makes everything go is Joshua Marie Wilkinson. Um, sure. Introduced me to contemporary poetry. I also happen to like his writing like a lot. Like I, yeah. I return to his books. I My writing is influenced by his writing. Yeah, I talk a lot about him on the show. 
uh, not much more needs to be said. Shooting guard, dropping bombs, because um, because I feel like his poems are all just like you know like little little grenades launched from from thirty feet to an end playoff series. Is Zachary Schomburg? Um, yeah, just yeah, person I love. Um, per, uh, uh, the 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 worlds they create. The um, mm. The, the 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 combination of joy and sadness is wonderful mm. um uh yeah uh who's garden lebron is uh, another uh person who was a major inroad into poetry for me talk about this on the on the podcast a lot saint francis o'hara <laughs> frank makes the cut um when i was you know when i'm drafting my novel i think how can this be more like a step away from them right right <laughs> so for the the power forward spot, I wanted to pick someone who um, I think is on a higher intellectual plane than me, and who also reminds me of the responsibilities that we sometimes have as poets. Um, and I kind of couldn't settle on one, so it's a tie between Eve L. Ewing and Claudia Rankine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in terms of combining the lyric essay with the poet with with the poem and. Um, just being both smart and good when you write, right. you know, some right. people are good. Some people are smart. They are both smart and good. And then the, the center to, uh, to borrow phrasing from Isaac, uh, um, used to be more important to me than they are now, but still I find, uh, motivates me a lot. Mm-hmm. Like you were talking about open up possibilities for me and Carson is my son. Yeah. Right. Um, I think she's like five, four. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, autobiography of red, I didn't know novels in verse, could be done yeah, yeah now i do and uh i've read a bunch of other stuff too i i love short talks short talks influences my short story writing a lot of course all journals on the internet are flash now so you know but um the glass irony and god essays uh the beauty of the husband is really i really love beauty of the husband i haven't read anything that she's written in like the last five or six years which is a problem but um uh like i said i had a major i had a major phase and then i got kind of burned right out and I'll, right I'll, I'll get back into her for sure um but uh, but autobiography of Red is is something I I look for and imitate. Uh, you know, a big reason why I was so excited about Maria Devon Henley's um, Beowulf translation was I was like, yeah, let's 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 get another cool twenty first century woman doing the epic poets. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's my that's my poetry top five. All right, all this all this all tracks. This all tracks. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're totally unsurprised. <laughs> Uh, I think, yeah, I think I would say unsurprised. Um, I would not have been able to name all five of them off the top of my head, though. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, as our friend Anuj once said to me, to rank is human. So I do top fives in my head a lot. <laughs> to um, rank is human. To rank is human. What a great quote that lives in my head. That rocks. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, now you have the extended the extended edition. The non-poet <laughs> edition. All right. Um, do I want to start with the point guard? Okay, I will. I will. Because um, it, it it sort of works chronologically for me. Too. Okay. Uh, starting at point guard, 6'6 uh, from North Carolina, Michael Jordan, slash the idea of being an athlete. I was thinking about this, like, recently. I think, like, it's also, it's caused a lot of problems for me. It's a lot of my self-talk, <laughs> like, in my head and, comes mm-hmm. from how many Michael Jordan biographies I read when I was like between the ages of eight and yeah. 12, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, also I credit Michael Jordan with getting me to move to Chicago, but you know, that's, that's whatever. Um, but that, that idea of like to constantly be pushing yourself to try to be 
I, I don't have any delusions of grandeur about being quote unquote the best or whatever anymore. I don't care about that. But like to to be the best that I can be, to to get up early and practice, to mm-hmm. to to you know like you know to play the game unless you're like one legged or something like that you know like like to just right. to to just strive and try and work hard um yeah and uh i think i think a lot of that comes from the amount of michael jordan biographies i read when i was when i was a kid and then the obvious chicago connection um, right so, so i thought about michael jordan on my list too my reasons would have been so different <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just because he got you into like cigars and Hanes or what? <laughs> um, I guess almost the way I would think about it is like Jordan felt like the introduction to obsession mm. um, in my life. Yeah. Okay. yeah I, I, I don't feel the same, you know, I, and I feel this way about professional athletes all the time where I'm like, Oh, you want you like the way these people do motivation is so different. <laughs> Yes. I just fundamentally yes. I can't relate. Yeah. Um I cannot relate to like Giannis trash talking on Instagram. <laughs> and then like I don't know who, like Patrick Beverly or whoever actually taking it personally. Like right. I can't relate to that. Right. <laughs> um Yeah. And I, you know, I was trying to, you know, I I I guess it's not for trying, it's more <laughs> physical ability it's sure. not like my game resembles michael <laughs> um yeah I, I guess the thing is just like he was the thing that that made me start to like basketball yeah. you know yeah um but I, I, with that said that does it does just feel like that was one of the first things where i was like oh i'm really obsessed yeah for, for a couple yeah. year period definitely um, yeah and and i'm grateful for that part of myself you know yeah yeah, yeah. i think basketball has enriched both of our lives and, for sure for sure yeah um all right okay uh i'm gonna skip over the shooting guard for a second um who's guarding lebron is no no i'm gonna go to the power forward spot um because it also relates to chicago and it's it it is the 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 city of chicago and chicago history and um various people who embody various spirits of chicago to me Mm -hmm. i i have evaluating Mm-hmm. Uh, on this list as as as, as uh, in my notes as as one of those i've studs turkle in my notes as one of those even though i've read exactly one studs turkle show i never listened to a radio broadcast or something yeah. there's just something about the the one the the loving a city loving a metropolis mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i'm a big city person right the the sort of the the haymarket workers spirit kind of thing mm-hmm. the the someone on on a no reservations one time said there's a spirit of keep things moving in chicago and it's like yeah mm. just like get up every day and just keep it keep it moving mm-hmm. um you know work hard and do your job but also enjoy life and like you know like right i i feel like this city the spirit of this city embodies so much of what i like about life itself mm. um between like the diversity of the neighborhoods, the amount of stuff there is to do, the um, the different kinds of people yeah. um, that are here, and then still this like kind of like shared attitude of like, yeah, but we all think Chicago's cool, right? No matter where we come <laughs> from, we all think Chicago's cool. Um, so yeah, the the city I live in and the the writers who have embodied its spirit the most to me mm. are. Right? Are in the power forward spot, the working yeah. spot. Yeah, I love um, that. I remember 
an early realization for me of, uh, you know, trying to figure out like why I liked Chicago in particular, why I liked the Midwest, um, despite being a coast person. And I, I think you're pointing to something important about Chicago in particular. I mean, I, I think I've long kind of thought of it as a Midwestern trait, but I think it's, it's, let me be like another level in Chicago was just, you know, the way that Start of it was sort of it, some of it I think like has to do with like that I like I first experienced protests when I was in Chicago. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I learned a lot about unions. I went on strike as a teacher in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a way that I feel like people um, just like act on their their beliefs and conviction. Um, yeah, that's really that appealing felt, to me. Yeah, yeah, that I had not experienced growing up. Um, you know, not to say that there weren't people with conviction, but there's like a particular spirit and energy and way that people do it. Um, and, and I think a lot of times it does like also like involve putting their body on the line, um, that to me rings of Chicago and, and that might, you know, I definitely have my Chicago glasses on when I'm saying that, but uh, I don't think it's wrong, even, even if it's maybe a little exaggerated. Right. And I, you know, this is to not diminish the many problems that plague the city, but you know, like there's, there's a, um. Yeah, there, there's there's something it seems like everyone something better that it seems like everyone is trying to aspire to at least a little right. bit, you know. Right. Except the cops, obviously. Well, cool. You you made me feel better about both basketball and Chicago, so thank you. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Uh, sort of in that man, uh, a lot of these are like kind of connected. Let's let's go to. Um... I'm like, when does Blake Wade come up? <laughs> Yeah, let's okay. Let's do that. Let's do that. Um, in the center spot, I have punk rock and the outsider spirit, sure. um, kind of thing. Yeah. I don't consider myself very much of like a a, a, a punk. Like if I went mm-hmm. to a show on Gilman Street, I think I, you know, would be looked at funny or whatever. But um, Blink One A Two was obviously a huge influence on me in middle school, but also like uh, No Effects and Rancid um, mm-hmm. with like the 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 sort of punk spirit of like of don't sell out be anti-racist and anti-fascist try to cultivate spaces where anyone can feel welcome um there's this no effect song called she's nubs from their album the war on errorism about a uh a fan of theirs who um was a quadruple amputee i think or maybe just born Mm. without arms and legs who goes to punk shows like with some dude like wearing her on his back and she or on his shoulders and she's just like you know she's she's in the pit with everybody else and met them after the show and it's just like cool and they just wrote the song about her and I'm like I, I don't know it's it is that's that spirit that um everyone around you matters um mm. that I think uh I, I got from punk shows um, and then the Blink-182 aspect of it is to, to not take things too seriously, which is also a no effects aspect of it, but you know, like, yeah. like, but yeah, like, yeah, like goof around and like, yeah, like the Southern California spirit is in me too, a little bit, you know, of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, no, this is that serious. Let's go skateboarding, you know? So, so yeah, both as a, um, both, both the, the, the goofball spirit and the, the anti-authority spirit is, uh, where, when I say, that's that's punk rock you know that's that that's Absolutely. that influences me yeah right yeah I, I i i i i thought really hard about like what i would add in terms of music there um i'm a little bit i yeah i think feel like a, a jealous might be the word i want to use for your relationship to punk um i feel like i've had like really funny conversations with people who like know my music tastes 
um, and and like know the Venn diagram of where I do lean into that kind of stuff, um, or, or people who don't know and just having to be like, you know, punk doesn't really necessarily mean anything to me. Sure, sure. There um, are there are lots of bands where I'm just like, okay, this is the same three chords. I can't listen to this. <laughs> but the ones, the bands I like, they really right. mean something to me. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is I'm, I'm jealous of like getting the ethos out of it, you know? Oh, sure. Um, yeah. But um, you reminded me of, yeah, I, I went to a show fairly recently. That was just like my first time in ages ever question mark where they're like just like and it wasn't even that intense but there was a pit yeah um, it's jarring to see like when yeah. you're in your 30s like oh people are still pitting <laughs> well well the other thing though too though is just that i like missed out i didn't go to shows in high school and okay. you know i was like such a lame indie boy when i was at like my sh- my peak yeah. um show going you know the, the joke i like to make and like i i love all, all this music to death so it doesn't you know i don't care but you know yeah. it's how those the mid-2000s it was like about out tweeing each other yeah um, you know? yeah it was about and i had how... a big out tweeing each other face <laughs> you know I, I, yeah right like how soft can we all be and and like frankly i love that kind of show and yeah. i was just like man i had like this i thought i i, I yeah it made me like the music a little bit less <laughs> Because I was just like, I forgot that this is kind of intense for other people. For me, it only exists in my car. Yeah. <laughs> no one needs to be shoving each other. What are we doing here? Uh, it's funny. The 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 more the the really literal part of this is like, you know, Brennan and I are working on a new record for this year, and um, it's it's mostly uh, songs that I, I've 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 started the skeletons of, right? Right. And I'm in this big phase where it's like I pick up my guitar and I'm like, I can't help but play fast. Like I'm not doing like the do got to got to got to got like that anymore. But like I just, yeah, I just want to play fast again. You know, <laughs> so, like, I did my I did my twee time and I'm, yeah. I'm like, let's that's why my favorite band is Chon. You know, like they're <laughs> like they're uh they're they're punk without the distortion. It's like <laughs> uh, oh my. All right, that was your small forward. That was my uh, um, that was my center. That was, that was okay. My, center, my defensive anchor. That's right. There we go. Um, yeah, is uh, is punk. But in the punk spirit, I'm going to move into this next one, which means I'll be ending on an embarrassing one. So excellent. This, this one. But in the punk spirit, my small forward, who's Garden LeBron, is um, Anthony Bourdain slash Loving Food, and I, I think that it's it is just like the it's it's two things of Bourdain for me. It's the it's the the sensualist nature of loving food. And, and mm. I, I know this is darkly, darkly ironic, but like really trying to enjoy life and loving life. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think you can do what he did and still love life a whole lot. And I think he loved life a whole lot. And I think right. that's where I try to take from. Right. Um, and the, also the endless curiosity, you know, mm-hmm. uh, both yeah. with food and just interacting with other people, other places, Stuff like that. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, are you a big board board? No, fan? I was just gonna say talk about one that I miss. Yeah, I, I, I remember just kind of being blown away um at how much his death impacted people because I I yeah, I completely missed. Um, I, I honestly and, didn't think people liked him as much as I did until yeah. his death. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, Adrian, a friend of the show, Adrian Sobel, and I watched a bunch of Bourdain's nice. New Year College. Hell yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <A> bad image. <laughs> just drinking heineken's and eating thai food at noon on a saturday watching me, no me reservations the boys watching Bourdain. <laughs> adorable yeah uh, um 
But yeah, the right. lust for life, the curiosity. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, See, your, your list is like so wholesome so far. You know, like all of these like good traits about your worldview are coming together through this list. I love it. I realized by how like how fast I'm talking and stuff like yeah. that. I think this is like a defense mechanism of mine, and I'm, I'm trying to like portray myself as positively as possible. <laughs> like talk about <laughs> things that I'm aspiring to, right? Maybe more right. than reality as it actually is. But that's I, all that's of fine. us, though. Yeah, all of us. That's yeah. writing. So you yeah. know. Um, <laughs> all right. This last spot. The shooting guard, the uh, the one who wins championships. <laughs> the, that is not true of it as of recently, but all right. Right, right, right. I'm you know, I'm stuck in the nineties like every other millennial. Um okay. I uh, I guess I just have to come right out and say it. And it's the Anne Rice vampire novels. Let's go. Slash <laughs> anything that is about turning tropes on their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, because the Anne Rice vampire novels were the first time I had seen something beyond the Dracula. Uh, mm-hmm. rules of vampires um, right obviously i'm a horror writer and I, I like i like monsters and stuff like that so i like that that was also the the first big thing i got into of lore like i had a little mm-hmm. bit of the lord of the rings because mm-hmm. I, was, I, was, I was into the movies a lot in high school and i read the lord of the rings books once but i never got into like Silmarillion and other stuff like that but i i did like series and this was one where it was like None of my friends were reading it, so it felt a little secret and like a little mm. bit of something like I got to discover all on my own. Right. But then just like, yeah, the expansive world of like what I only knew of as like a like like a horror trope, you know, but like turning yeah. it into its own world and like taking it seriously. And that that's got I've gone on to look for stuff like that in literature where it's mm-hmm. like um now I'm not gonna be able to think of an example, but um um, you know, books with this conceit. It was a big thing in the 2010s, I feel like, where mm-hmm. it's um, a book I haven't read, um, The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by Michael uh, mm-hmm. Caban, Chabon? Um, Chabon, yeah. Chabon, yeah. But like, you know, it's like you wrote a superhero novel, like that sort right. of thing, you know. Right. Um, that idea is still like pretty influential to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking tropes and turning them on their head. Um, I have in my notes the, the Maria Devana Headley uh uh, Beowulf again of like yeah taking this well-known text and like mm-hmm. translating it into bro speak or whatever so right, right. yeah literature that that seeks to subvert tradition while also celebrating that tradition uh, see even the one you're embarrassed of you come up with a good reason for it it's still Anne Rice vampire novels man <laughs> I read so many of those people love them I know I know they're good they're good uh... I mean, I don't know if they're good. I haven't read them since I was a freshman in college, so I don't actually know if they're good. But I did like the new interview of the Vampire series on AMC. I feel like that's, I was trying to think, I was like, I feel like I did some Wikipedia reading on this series at some point recently. I think it's because I was like, wait, there's a there's a new, you know, I, I you know, come from this fully not knowing much. Um, and... I, you know, I was just reading some Wikipedia plot summaries and I was like, these books are bonkers. Like, what? <laughs> they are nuts. <laughs> they are nuts. Can I tell you what got me to stop reading them? Please. The, 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 the main character, he's not the, he's not the, the vampire that gets interviewed, but he's the right. guy who makes that vampire, Lestat. The, the main, mm-hmm. he's the main Anne Rice vampire. Uh, Lestat has this thing where he, um, I forget everything that leads up to it, but man, he's like, um, he's had this like brutal encounter with like a more powerful vampire and he's like injured. And he just skipped 15 seconds ahead. 
he licks a woman's menstrual blood and it's like the climax of a book and i'm just like i i can't do this anymore but i was like 20 books deep at that point i think 20 books deep maybe 12 maybe maybe 10 something like that but it was a lot i read a lot does he become a rock star in one of them yeah that's the second one <laughs> um it's the uh <laughs> that's the good stuff yeah that's that's uh, that one rules i was in uh uh raven used books in northampton mm-hmm. massachusetts mm-hmm. um after reading interview with the vampire and i found a copy of the vampire stat like his old beat up you know trade yeah. paperback i was like wow they made a whole book out of the guy who turns louis uh let me check it out and i was like i'm fucking hooked he becomes a musician like <laughs> he's a vampire and a rock god this is so sick oh my gosh wow uh, yeah. that's that's where we're ending excellent <laughs> vampire and a rock god <laughs> Uh, um, I've been it's been like on the back of my head so I like gotta get it out is I I, I looked back the, the the brief brief notes I had typed up um, was one of the things I wanted to uh, yeah like put out there in my um, this idea of influence um, if it wasn't already clear is I feel like part of the reason it's hard for me to think about is there's like this like level of like reg- not regret I don't know but just like wishing I had come across different things earlier you know obviously a lot of ways like yeah. you come across things at a, at a certain time and they, they do their thing um, but as I was looking, you know, through my anthologies and being like, yeah, I think I guess I, I feel like I have to talk about Amiri Baraka. Um, you know, I have these these two anthologies that were really important to me in college. And like you just per- turn the pa- a couple pages past him. And it's Audrey Lord, June Jordan, Sonia <laughs> Sanchez, all these yeah. poets who are, you know, like one really good, two really radical, three like consistent with good politics you know yeah and i was like yeah, yeah. why didn't i get to them like why were right. they the ones that like had this big influence on so know? sanchez who's uh i read her book um does your house have lions this year is a reread for me the yeah. first time i read it, i was like this is you know it's all right or whatever but this year it was one of the more meaningful books of poetry i read this year yeah yeah um, yeah really good um <laughs> but but Names in an anthology, that's contextless names. It's it's harder. It's a lot harder. You can read something and be like, oh, I get it. But like, I don't know. It it, it does help when someone's like, you should check this person out for this reason. Right. Right. I guess just simultaneous compassion for my young self and also being like, man, flip the pages a little bit further. yeah 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 like like, just like so funny to think of yeah it's it's like literally in the same book and like my mind could have been blown in a different way or i could have read a bunch of stuff um but i think also would have influenced me you know really intensely um so it goes it's what happens yeah well i was thinking about the the flip side of your uh of the 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 regret thing with Mm -hmm. the the wishing you you said wishing that you come to this stuff sooner some of the stuff i feel like a little embarrassed about who i was when i was like really into this yes you know uh-huh. and like some of it like especially like 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 punk and the end rise vampire novels have taken me a while to admit to myself like oh i do actually like these things and these things did influence me in a positive right. way but if i could go right. back to like my high school punk scene with my knowledge now i'd be like completely different you know yeah for sure um or or i would take you know you take different stuff to them i guess that's the nature of influence is like these things changed who we are. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, so. Oh my. Well, I'm glad we did this. I am too. That was a lot of us talking. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we also, we have no clock, so I have no idea how long this episode's going to be. Right. Right. Uh, uh. In that spirit, in the spirit of us not knowing what time it is and um, already having been 
pretty self-indulgent. <laughs> we will end the year without a basketball question. We'll bring back basketball questions and poetry reading in January 2024. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Uh, awesome. Um, yeah. Did you have anything else? Uh, thanks for listening. Anyone who made it Thanks through. for listening. Anyone who made it through. <laughs> we hope you have wonderful holidays and a good start to the new year good end to this year and a good start yes. to the new year we love and you. yeah we'll be back next month our music is done by brennan johnson our art is done by am Strickland. and we'll be back next month that's the better sign off that's just the better sign off. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>